Welcome back to the Podcast. It's been a while, folks. A lot has happened since the last time I talked to you, which I believe was immediately after the NCAA Tournament Selection Show, which wound up being, we should say, big thanks to everybody. This, that wound up being our second most downloaded episode of this basketball season. I guess really this whole athletics behind only the uh, emergency pod after the Kentucky win. So people love the extreme highs. People love the extreme lows. We appreciate everybody listening so we could share in our misery together. But as it turns out, if you miss a week and a half of a podcast in March around here, it doesn't matter if you're still playing in the NCAA tournament or not, there's going to be a whole lot of shit that goes down. So we got plenty to talk about before we get to any of that stuff. Uh, Dan Sinard in Columbus, Ohio. Dan, how are we? Uh, we're as good as we could be, I guess. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I kind of share the same mood as every other Louisville fan out there. I mean, it's great that the tournament's going on, but also bittersweet, obviously, at the same time. I think I've finally gotten over the four-day Malay, you know, kind of haze I was in after the, what I call it, the Indianapolis screw job. Um <laughs> that we didn't get in, but it is what it is, and uh, it, it's been a pretty fun tournament so far. It was easier for me, if we're talking about the men's tournament, and we'll give a shout-out to the women here in a second. It was easier for me after we got past the first round, just because I kind of thought, uh, like, we probably weren't going past this weekend anyway. Like, best-case scenario, we get a game in, uh, maybe get two in. But, like, once I saw, especially once, like, every ACC, ACC team besides Florida State, who we knew was good, and Zombie Syracuse, who we knew was going to win at least two fucking games. <laughs> like, but like, when I saw everybody else going down, I was like, yeah, we, we, we probably weren't long for this tournament anyway. So it's, it cushioned the blow a little bit. But before we get into that stuff, do want to give a shout-out, just because we're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, Jeff Walls and the women's team marching on. A little bit dicey. Second game in a row, they've come out a, a little bit cold. Um, the freshman really stepped up today. Haley Van Lift was fantastic. Olivia Cochran was awesome. Um, Akasa Robinson makes the big defensive play like she always does. I was bummed I didn't get to, to watch most of the game on Monday night because uh, I picked up some freelance work for the tournament, which is another reason why we haven't been able to record the last few days. And I was having to cover the Michigan LSU game, so I was kind of checking in as much as I could. But got to watch just about all of today's game. Uh, awesome to see the starts marching on. Little worried about the slow starts. Little worried about uh, Dana getting going again, especially when you're playing Oregon and then potentially Stanford in the uh, Elite Eight. But still, always good to have more cards basketball this late in March, Dan. Yeah, and I, I was actually tonight. I had uh, my my son's swim lessons, but I was following on Twitter, and I, it's it is awesome to see. I mean, especially with the men's team out, just how the fan base kind of rallies around. The women's team, um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's this time of year. They do it all year, but it, it made it easier for me to kind of keep up with the game via Twitter. Um, and like you said, it sounded like it started out pretty dicey, but uh, I'm, I'm glad they're moving on, and um, hopefully we can make a deep run this year. On the flip side, um, the men's team, the last, the last two weeks that we did the podcast, Dan, there was a recurring theme, and it was, it was me and you – more me than you, just kind of begging Chris Mack and the, the team to make the tournament. Like, it was, I, I think, the second-to-last podcast, the podcast we did before the, the conference tournament, I said just make the tournament about 55 times. And our guy, Dr. Dunk, on Twitter likened it to Dwight from the Beach Days episode of The Office where he's <laughs> standing on the coals begging Michael to give him the regional manager job where he's like, just, just give me the job. 
Oh, that's such a good comparison. In more and more pain as it goes on, just feeling more and more desperate. That was me. And it was because, one, I want to see Louisville in the NCAA tournament for obvious reasons. It's my favorite time of the year. And even if they're, you know, I, I didn't have any disillusions of this team making a gigantic run, although, you know, it's always possible when you get in. But I just, I wanted to have those three or four or five days where you see Louisville's name in the bracket, where you know they're a part of this gigantic deal that's, you know, one of the biggest things in all of sports. You just want to be a part of it. It feels wrong when you're not, and it felt wrong from Selection Sunday until, you know, really right now still. But two, you wanted to avoid all of this shit. And by all of this shit, I mean the bickering between the fan base, the fallout now with the coaching staff, the uncertainty about the future, the you know the, the panic around the program, like all of that stuff, and I know we're talking about the slimmest of margins here. I know we were the 69th team, and it came down to the last night. And that's another thing, real quick. I, I've got a, a quick aside. You you might be listening to this, and this may be something that you've done. And I, I love you. You're a great fan. But the people who were like, <laughs> you know, I, if I tweeted out, Louisville got knocked out by Oregon State winning the Pac-12 tournament in the wee hours of Sunday morning. The people who came back at me who were like, actually, we knocked ourselves out. Like, it's the last line of fucking King Kong. Like, no, twas beauty killed them. Okay, like, I, I get it. If we'd won every single game this year, we would have controlled our own destiny. But quite literally, we were in the tournament. We didn't have to do anything else to stay in the tournament. We just needed other teams to lose. Georgetown won, Oregon State won. Bam, we're out of the tournament. Like, that's what knocked us out. But my point, before I got sidetracked, we were so close. Like, the razor-thin margin, if we just make the first four and lose to UCLA or, lo- or lose to whoever on Thursday night, the fan base isn't thrilled with the season, but they're still content enough that I don't think that there's a call for a staff overhaul or a roster overhaul or even, like, a total scheme overhaul. There's a little bit more patience there. But because they were the first team out, now you get the – you, you get the schism within the fan base. You get the differing opinions. You get all sorts of fun. Like, do you think that I'm wrong? Do you think if we just made the tournament, we still would have had this past week, or do you think things would have been at least a little bit calmer? No, I, I think you're correct and for the most part. I mean, you know, we consider ourselves a, a blue blood program. So, you know, at least with me, my, my expectations are – are high, but I was also realistic watching our team during the middle of the season down the stretch that this team was probably not going to accomplish a whole lot, even if they got in the tournament. Um, so you are probably right in that sense. You know, if they lost in the first four or the first round, um, you know, I'm sure some people would, would still be upset and they have higher expectations and they should, but they also need to be realistic of what we watched on the court. So, yeah, I, I think um, it, just by missing the tournament, uh, this really put the coach, you know, Chris Mack's feet to the fire. And not just him, you know, maybe little, you know, some heat going upstairs at the top of the athletic department perhaps um, to, you know, put pressure on maybe to make a jolt in the program. So that's something we can talk about. It just seems like right now – everyone's not on the same page and it's a little frustrating as a fan. That's a fine place to start. I think we can, we'll go there because that will lead into the coaching staff shakeup stuff, which uh, I think everybody wants to talk about. So this is, uh, 
this is my understanding of kind of how things went after Selection Sunday and what we saw over the, you know, basically Monday through Friday last week. So the top of the heat, like Vince Tyree kind of comes to Chris Mack. And I'm not saying, like, there's no sort of you're on the hot seat or, hey, buddy, like, like you know, you better get this thing going. Like, like there's a little bit of that. There's, there's a little bit of prodding just saying, like, hey, you know, we don't miss. I know this was a weird year. I know that, uh, you know, we had the COVID pause. I know we were as affected as any program in the country by all the off-the-court stuff. But still, there are expectations here. Even when those expectations are diminished, we, sh- we should have been in the NCAA tournament. And something needs to change a little bit. We, ne- we need a little bit of a shuffling to show people that we're not satisfied with this. Things are going to get better. Let's make some movement. And that suggestion, that, that, that prodding, winds up leading to Chris Mack ultimately making a shift on the coaching staff. And the shift, as we now know, is not renewing the contracts of Luke Murray and Dino Gaudio. My understanding, again, was that the planned staff shakeup was going to be, you know, Luke Murray's been not so subtly pursuing some, he wants to be a head coach someday. He's been close to getting a number of those jobs. He's probably going to be okay. He can move on. He's going to find a job. If he doesn't get a head coaching job, he'll land safely with another staff. Dino Gaudio, who's, you know, been with Chris Mack forever. They've known each other forever. Mack was uh, assistant with him way back in the day. Both came up with Skip Prosser. He's not going to be an assistant anymore, but he's going to remain on staff as director of basketball operations. Current Dobo, Khalil Fennell, who is you know wildly popular with the team. Uh, everybody loves him. He's okay. going to get promoted to assistant, and then we'll see what happens with the other assistant spot. Uh, as a side note, the John Brandon stuff, which, which came up in the days that Jeez. would follow all this, the rumor that Chris Mack was going to potentially add his his old friend John Brandon, who's the current head coach at Cincinnati, to his staff if Brandon wound up getting the axe at UC. Brandon's currently still the head coach at Cincinnati, so none of that really matters. Uh, you know how true it was, I don't know, but the Brandon stuff inherently hilarious. Uh, I had heard some stories. I think I, I passed them along to you. The one. Look, we, we share stuff on the podcast. This is where the good stuff comes out. If you get, if you listen to the podcast, you get rewarded. So the athletic story that came out in the middle of the whole Cincinnati billion players transferring, no players committing, basically got the gist of what I had heard, which was Brandon's kind of shit-talking all of his players to each other, and then all of them are telling each other what Brandon has said to them. Like, he's telling Steve – you're not playing, but next year you're going to play over Joe because Joe sucks and he doesn't work hard. And then Joe's saying the same thing to, or he's telling Joe the same thing about Steve that he told to, to Joe and so forth and so on. You get my point. The story that didn't make it in the athletic was apparently Brandon or whoever handled his texting of recruits was texting a recruit from Brandon's phone saying basically like, don't worry about this guy who's at your position right now. He's lazy. You're way better than him. You'll have no problem beating him out. Just talking so much shit about this player. That text message was accidentally sent to the player who was being talked about. Oh, and, oh man. I mean, just, it sounds like, again, allegedly, it, it sounds like uh, everything that could possibly go wrong at Cincinnati has gone wrong. For all, by all accounts, all I know of John Brandon is he was on, he, he came on my radio show after they made the NCAA tournament for the first time at NKU. Um, and we, know some of the same people. All I've heard is that he's a very nice guy, really good with basketball, X's and O's, but at Cincinnati he has had a hard time connecting with the uh, the, the players there, and maybe that's that's the reason why. Maybe, I mean, that is just a, it's a, a wallop of... Yeah, not to get too off-tangent on Cincinnati, but, I, I mean, it was, 
Uh, I, I mean, last year, yes, it wasn't his team, but I mean, the whole Jared Cumberland situation was a, a disaster. Um, so you thought maybe after some of their guys got, you know, Mick Cronin's guys got cleared out, um, you know, and he brought his guys in, things might change. But obviously, I mean, as bad as things like we might feel they are for Louisville, whew, it is not good up there in Cincinnati right now. Yeah, I mean, that's a proud fan base, too. They don't have the history that we do. I don't think they have um, the numbers and the overall enthusiasm that we do, but they're close. Like, that's a top 25 fan base in college basketball, and, I mean, that program is just being decimated right now. And it doesn't help, too, Mick Cronin dancing his way to the Sweet 16. That's a nice little added gut punch there for uh, Cincinnati fans. But back to the topic at hand. So Chris Mack has to make these changes, or he's going to make these changes. Problem is... Again, this is my understanding. Before he can have these meetings, the coaching staff kind of gets wind that something's afoot, that, 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 this is, that this is going to happen. So that's not good. They're already off on the wrong foot. Chris Mack talks with Luke Murray. He talks with Dino Gaudio. I believe both meetings went poorly. Um, you're not going to see Dino Gaudio return to the staff, I don't believe. Uh, who knows? We still haven't gotten any sort of official word from UofL outside of that the, their contracts aren't being renewed at the end of April. We still haven't really heard from Chris Mack on this. Um, Malik Williams talked briefly on it earlier this week, but that's that's the only official word we've gotten. So we don't really know what, what the next move is. Like I, I'm still assuming Khalil Fennell is going to wind up being one of the assistant coaches. I've got no idea what happens with the other spot, but it, it just from the outside looking in, even if we're not getting the whole story here and nobody really knows the whole story here, it certainly looks kind of messy, Dan. It does. <laughs> I think the thing that's, I mean, it, there's, I think the thing that's frustrating as a fan is, and this is just from, uh, you know, someone, I, I'm not in the athletic department. I don't know what's going on on a daily basis, but if, if I'm looking at it, you know, from just reading tea leaves, I mean, the last six to eight months, like, has just been a very poorly communicate, like, runly, a very poorly communicated situation within the entire athletic department when you look at the Scott Satterfield situation how that all went down and now this you know I don't even know if you call it botching of the assistant firings or how you want to phrase it It, we're we're kind of in the dark of what's going on so it it just seems there's not a lot of clear communication Um, and then if there is stuff that that does get leaked out you know usually I I mean we've seen uh, other fan bases run with stuff that gets leaked out. How, you know, it's not even stuff that stuff's getting leaked out uh, that they're picking up. It's stuff that's already out there that other fan bases are running with. But it's just, I I feel like they don't know what to keep in-house and what to release out to the public. And it's kind of frustrating as a fan. Yeah, so that kind of segues into what happened in the wake of all this, which was the news. Coming, I, I guess, I, I can't even keep track of the timeline anymore. These last few days have been so hectic. But I guess it was the day after the news about Murray and Gaudio comes out. <clears throat> excuse me. We get the, the, I don't even know how to phrase it, Louisville announcing that they are letting both Eric Vanderheiden and Bobby Pettiford out of their letters of intent. Uh, Vanderheiden tweeted out the picture of himself saying, you know, due to circumstances, whatever, uh, I'm now my recruitment's back open. Uh, he wound up committing to Ole Miss earlier this week, so good for him. Uh, Pettiford is apparently heard from Kansas today. He's being pursued by some solid programs. But 
again, and I hate to keep using this phrase, but my understanding was this is just kind of a bad timing deal. I think this was in the works for a while. There's been this this movement amongst the staff and, and Mac and the powers that be that they want more of a roster overhaul than they were probably going to get. They want to bring in a bunch of transfers. They want to try to make a run next season, and that wasn't going to happen unless some scholarships got freed up. So while it kind of looked on the surface like, hey, these guys are reacting to the assistants being let go. They're pissed off. They're going elsewhere. This is not trying to be trying to be a Louisville homer. Like I had heard weeks in advance that this was going to wind up being the case. And if you want further proof of that, I know that um, Roosevelt Wheeler, who has signed with Louisville, is going to come to Louisville. He had a picture on Instagram, and you know, Eric Vanderheiden was commenting in, in the comments saying like this could have been us, but Chris Max playing and stuff like that. Like I, I don't think this was the choice of either of these uh, commits, or I guess they were signees technically. But that kind of further stirs the pot a little bit, gets the fan base going. And, I mean, understandably so. It's, it's, I think people were excited about Poppy Pettiford. And when you see kids looking to go elsewhere so close after uh, a kind of negative news story comes out about with the, the coaching staff shakeup, it's natural to put two and two together. I think this was just more, again, kind of bad messaging, bad timing on the part of U of L basketball. But, but that happened. I mean, are you – Worried at all that, that we don't have Pettiford and Vanderheiden coming, or is this just kind of a whatever for you? I wouldn't say I'm worried. Um, I'm anxious to see how it all shakes out, I, just like everybody else. I mean, um, it's no secret this is a make-or-break year for Chris Mack, I would say. Not saying, that, you know, he, he has a seven-year contract. We get that. Right. But this is a big year for him coming up year four. Like, he has to make noise here, especially if – you know, the IARP is not going to come down with any sort of punishment for U of L this year. Um, it is a year that he has to at least make the tournament. So it, it sounds like he's, you know, putting all his chips in the middle per se, if he's going to go out and get maybe um, more, uh, you know, ready players right now and, and maybe kids that don't have to be developed. So um, it's a wait and see situation. Uh, I hate it for for those kids, but I'm sure that they'll land on their feet probably in a situation that, knock on wood, works out better for them. And I think what you just said before that is sort of at the root of all this, which is Louisville's going to try to make a run next season. They feel like this is their – they don't know what's going to happen with the NCAA stuff or I guess the the IARP stuff. They assume, like everybody assumes, that it's going to be bad, at least a one-year postseason ban recruiting sanctions, all, all that stuff. So, again, like, I, I think that you can read between the lines and see that what the staff or what Chris Mack is thinking is, suddenly I've got a little bit of pressure. I didn't expect to be in this position. There's a little bit of, you know, again, not heat as in he could potentially get fired, but heat as in the fan base isn't overly happy right now. We've got to make a move. This can't just be a whatever year before we find out whatever happens with the NCAA. They don't think the IRP is going to move quickly enough to affect next season. And why should they? They've been doing God knows what. We haven't heard. We, we don't know what they've been doing for the past year. We, we have nothing. They have not done one thing with this Memphis case. They haven't done anything with Arizona or Kansas or NC State. We are far back in line. It's You've got to just assume at this point your postseason for the 2022 NCAA tournament is not going to be affected by any of this. Let's bring in a bunch of transfers. Let's try to get some guys back. And we found out. Uh, a couple of days ago, and we're going to talk about that in a second, one of the big guys you wanted to have back is coming back. Let's try to, to form a roster that can be competitive right now, and then whatever happens, happens in the future. That, that These moves say to me, 
they're kind of, like you said, putting their chips in on this season, and then we'll see what happens. But, like, I get the sense of urgency suddenly. I wish there had been more of that this season because, again, on the outside looking in, it did not seem like anybody around the program was uh, was quite as urgent, quite as, uh, I guess, just acting like there was no tomorrow during the middle of the season as they probably should have been, and we all saw what wound up happening. But you don't want to be going into the period that Louisville could be going into once these NCAA sanctions come down where you've got a coach that people are already unhappy with. Because there's one of two scenarios that I think you have to be in if you're going to come out of this thing as quickly as possible. One, your coach is killing it. He's been a long-time success story. This is his first kind of negative deal. You're going to have that bad season. We're going to get through it, and then we're going to start rolling again. You've seen that at a couple of programs. I think you're, you're kind of seeing it right now with Arizona having the self-imposed ban. Sean Miller gets the benefit of the doubt because he was good before this, and then hopefully we'll get this thing rolling again soon. Two, you get rid of the old guy, you bring the new guy in, he has to deal with the, the pain, but every win is celebrated because it's promised for the future. Kind of the Tom Crean deal at Indiana back in the day when they won like four games in his first season, but fans still treated him like he was God's gift because they were, you know, competitive every now and then. Or Rick Pitino, I guess, at UK, uh, with the Unforgettables, you know, they hang a banner, they give him a parade because they win uh, 15 games or whatever it was, like... Those are the two situations you want to be in. Where you don't want to be is with a guy who already kind of has lost a segment of the fan base and that who people don't feel overly optimistic about, even under perfect circumstances. And quite frankly, that's where Louisville's going to be if we have another year next season like we had this past year. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think the fan base is in the – uh, show me mode right now. I mean, I, I, I don't think, I mean, maybe there was, but I, I mean, I know I was over, over the moon with the hire. I think most people were, um, I think most people thought that not only would, would Chris Mack, you know, steady the ship per se, but, um, he would really kind of get the program on the right trajectory to, to be back, you know, kind of where we, we thought we would be in the, in the prime Rick Patino years. And, um, maybe we just kind of took for granted the cloud that's been hanging over our head as far as these sanctions go and, and maybe how, how, how tough it, it's been to produce results with that. Um, you know, that, that's no excuse for him not making the tournament this year, especially in a down ACC. Um, I know we had all the COVID stuff. I know he had the, the, you know, Malik Williams injury, but the tournament was there to make. He didn't. And now, you know, uh, like I said in the last podcast, this offseason, unfortunately, no matter what he says, no matter what actions he does, he's going to come under scrutiny. And that's just, you know, that kind of comes with the territory if, you know, you have a down year at Louisville. So, um, you know, I still have faith in him. I, I think he's a good coach. I don't think he just turned into a bad coach overnight. Um, however, I, I do think it's going to be interesting to see how the roster shakes out and I'm very, you know, have my eyes peeled every day on Twitter to see, you know, the guys that we're going to bring in this year. <sighs> should have just made the tournament, man. You should right? Like it's just it's it's so frustrating. much frustrating. Yeah. Now it's like, I mean, you know, we've had good luck with these grad transfers. Um, it, it just that I I hate, and I know we we still have L. Ellis coming in. He's a JUCO guy. We have Roosevelt. We got, is it Mike James? Um, yeah. So, 
I mean, we do have some kids that, that will be able to develop. You know, we have a nice freshman class going into sophomore class. I just, I, I just want to see us develop guys. And when we get on this grad transfer role, it, it kind of makes it hard to have a bunch of development in your program if they're here for one year and leave. But I, I, I get why he's doing it this year. You know, it's a big year for him, and he thinks that there, there's an open window before the sanctions come down to make a run. Should have just made the tournament, man. Could <laughs> all could have been avoided. All of this shit. Can I tell you another thing that I, and I knew this was going to happen. I fucking knew it. And it's already driving me crazy. I shouldn't let it bother me, but I am. It's Kentucky fans are doing this thing where it's like, well, we both had bad seasons. What a terrible year for basketball in this state. Like, what a terrible year for basketball for the Blue Bloods. It's like, motherfucker, these two things are not equal. Do not compare what we just went through with what you just went through or with what Duke just went through or Kansas or North Carolina. The, the two are not equal. It'd be like if... If Dan, if you got arrested for armed robbery, and then two hours later I got pulled over for rolling through a stop sign, and then when you found out about it, you were like, "Well, I guess we both had bad run-ins with the law today." <laughs> like, no, like, they, 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 these are not comparable situations. And it again, it's a little thing that could have easily been avoided if we just made the fucking tournament, but it's not. And it's I, I'm willing to admit I'm willing to be vulnerable on this podcast. It's bothering me a little bit. Yeah, and then like. You know, throw on top of the fact, um, you know, right after they're saying that, it's like Malik declares he's coming back. Now, I could be eating my words depending on how the rest of the ro- roster shakes up. There's certainly, you, you don't know how much you believe, but there's rumors about there, out there about current players possibly transferring. I have no idea. But um, Malik comes back, and then you look over to Kentucky, and it's like B.J. Boston declares for the draft. So, like, you know, I, I, I do feel – especially the Malik coming back we'll talk about here in a second but that does really like talk about an emotional roller coaster I'm like all right that finally is gives me a little bit of stability going into next year yeah I mean I I don't it's gonna be the wild west out there it's impossible to you know everybody does the I used to have to do this for SB Nation on the night of the national championship game you've got your next year's top 25 ready to go it's a you know it's it's a huge page view thing every single year I don't know how anybody could possibly do it for next season. There are like yeah. eight kids in the transfer portal already, and usually, you know, the top of the transfer list is guys like Carly Jones or, or guys like Damian Lee, big time scorers from lower programs who you know are, are going to be good at the next level. We'll find out how good at, at these power conference programs, but it, it's not that way this year. I mean, you've got some of the best players from some of the biggest programs in college basketball putting their names out there. You got Marcus Carr from Minnesota, uh, Kellen Grady, who can light it up from uh, from Davidson. You've got Jay Heath, who, who's given us a whole bunch of problems from Boston College. Walker Kessler, the five-star center from North Carolina, <clears throat> he's going to be going to Gonzaga. Uh, but yeah, like all these guys are out there, like these program-changing type players. Um, by the way, Earl Tambalake also going to be going to Gonzaga. Um, oh but, man, yeah, I know. I'm not happy about it. Jamin Brakefield announced tonight from Duke, he's going to uh, put put his name in the portal. So it's going to be it's going to be almost impossible to keep track of all these rosters, and we'll see where Louisville winds up. Let me, I know let me ask you this. Um, with these transfers, and, uh, you know, I'm sure Louisville has their eyes on certain guys that maybe fit their system better, but are you of the mindset, like, let's get these guys committed early and bring them in and to fill out our roster? Or are you, like, 
can we kind of just wait and see everyone who's going to put their name in the transfer portal before we get someone to commit? Because I would hate to take like a, a you know, a player, a lesser player, and then like all of a sudden, like three weeks later, it's like, oh, so-and-so came out and we might have had a shot at him. Um, I know, you know, that's kind of a delicate situation that Chris Mack probably has to handle on his own, but um, I, I, I'm interested and seeing everyone who's going to come out, because I think the names are just going to come pouring in, basically like a off-season of, like, you know, NBA basketball. Yeah, you're certainly taking a risk if you, you know, go ahead and take a kid from a program who's pretty good, but, you know, all of a sudden a guy who's one of the top scorers from the Big 12 decides he wants to go somewhere, and he really liked Louisville, but you don't have a scholarship available. I should say, I don't think that's going to be an issue for Louisville. I think they're going to have the scholarships to, to land who they want to land. They've already reached out to a number uh, of prospects. The one we know Matt Cross is coming from Miami. Um, the, the one other name that people have talked about as being potentially close to committing here is Mason Faulkner from Western Carolina, a kid who was also kind of there's kind of buzz about him potentially making that move a year ago. Uh, he can play. There's no question about it. Um, but yeah, Justin Powell. I know a lot of people are talking about from Auburn, who played for David Levitch at, at North Oldham was at Trinity, which where he started his high school career. I think Louisville does have a shot with him. I think a lot of people are assuming he's going to wind up at Kentucky. That may end up being the case, but I think Louisville definitely a player there. I have told Levich on a constant basis, just do whatever you can here. Like, I know he's been uh, he's working out with the kid, and he's letting him make his decision, and I'm like, just, you know, just w- within reason, David, let him know. We'd love to have him at Louisville. Like, like, do, do, like, push him. You're a cardinal, David. This is on you. I will never cheer for the North Oldham Mustangs again if you don't make this happen. But, you know, Louisville, had, a, I think, had a chance the first go-round and did not wind up offering him, did not wind up recruiting him. And Can I, can I say something? I don't, I don't know Matt Jones. I've never interacted with him. I do see him on Twitter. How many, how many guys does he think are actually going to transfer to Kentucky this offseason? <laughs> like, is he going to, like, he's like, yep, this guy, good Shaggy Laser. Oh, this guy, good Shaggy Laser. I'm like, I mean, how many scholarships do they have down there? It's not like every single person's going to end up there, but I don't know. I just thought that was hilarious. Like, every time there's a transfer, like, I see a tweet from him saying, like, oh, I think Kentucky's got a shot here. When they get convinced that somebody's going there, there's nothing you like the Matt Harms thing last year, where there was like 15 stories like Harms is coming, baby, here we go. And we, it, in hindsight, it's hilarious because it's it's fucking Matt Harms. Like like fine play. Yeah. I don't think Kentucky goes from nine and sixteen this year to you know like 23 and, and four or whatever it would have been with Matt Harms. He was a, a just okay player at BYU this season. So, but yeah, they definitely they'll do that thing, and it's. It's my favorite fan base thing to do in the off season, where you just start listing off the names of players as if it means something, and they'll say we're loaded. Like, like if it would be like back in the day where it's like <laughs> Tyquan Dean, Chad Millard, Terrence J. Like, like we're just like like uh, these names mean nothing. You're just reading the roster. I, I, but I do love when fans start doing that, and I'm sure we're in for another off season of that happening. Um, We'll, we'll talk about more positive stuff here coming up in a second. We're going to talk about Malik Williams. We have a couple of other things that I want to get to. Before we do, got to remind you guys, this podcast brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel. They've got a brand-new Louisville shirt that debuted a couple of weeks ago. It's their 1980 National Championship T-shirt, and we're recording this here on Wednesday night, which is the uh, – the tw- God, I'm so bad at math. It's the anniversary. 
<laughs> Thank you. It's the anniversary of the 1980 National Championship victory for the Cards. If you want to celebrate this weekend style, go to homefieldapparel.com. Check out their wide array of Louisville retro shirts and hoodies uh, and sweatshirts as well. And use that promo code CardChronicle at checkout. It's going to save you 20% off your first purchase. We're also going to have a special deal this Saturday, so keep an eye out for that on CardChronicle.com. We'll break that uh, Saturday morning. Again, homefieldapparel.com. Follow them on social media as well. We always appreciate them uh, sponsoring this podcast. Moving on, I think Louisville fans, you and I talked last podcast about us just needing – we need a spark of some sort, something good to happen, whether it's the women's basketball team winning a national title, maybe the baseball team finally uh, you know, bringing the title back home from Omaha this summer. We just need something really good. And we finally got at least a, a little nudge in that direction when Malik Williams – Sort of out of the blue to me. I, I didn't know that a decision was looming or that he was uh, even close to announcing anything. Uh, announced that he's coming back for a final season. He wound up talking to the media on Monday. Talked about how you know he didn't want his NCAA career to end like this. Only one NCAA tournament game. He felt like uh, his story should end on a higher note. So Malik Williams, back for next season. Assuming he's healthy and good to go, uh, how excited are you going to be for this, Dan? I mean, of course I'm excited. I, like he obviously captain this year and you're, you're just, you look at his whole career and, and I'm just disappointed that we've only given this guy one tournament game. Um, and I'm glad next year there's probably going to be fans in the stands to really give this guy the ovation that he deserves. He, I mean, he's not only a great representative on the court, but like he's a really well spoken young kid. Um, I, I think. Like he gives very thoughtful answers in his interview, but from a basketball standpoint, I mean, it's huge. It's obviously, we, we know what we lack this year. It was toughness, especially in the middle. It'll give Jalen a chance to move over to the four, um, play his natural position. So you just hope that he can stay healthy, knock on wood. But I mean, this is, I mean, you can't look at it any other way than being a good thing right here. Yeah. Again, assuming he's healthy, this, I, I it changes a lot for next season for me. And we don't know who's going to come in. We still don't know if there are a couple other guys who could wind up transferring somewhere else. But having Malik Williams back, having that, I mean, he's been here for what feels like eight, nine years now, having that just continuity, that guy who knows how this program goes, he's probably going to be a captain for a third year next season. And also just a true center, the true center that we were lacking this season. I think it's enormous. It gives you a, a decent amount of hope going into what's going to be a very crucial offseason. And then, like we've talked about so many times before, uh, what's going to be a really, really important season for Chris Mack. Um, one, yeah, one thing I failed to mention, he'll be good for the development of Wheeler coming in, I think. Right. Um, it, it's always good to, you know, I mean, when we look at uh, a guy like Montrez, you know, Grub, he had to go against Gorgie all the time. And it, it's good for these guys to battle in practice and um, go against the best. So uh, that's just another factor of why I think it'll – I mean, and I don't want to, you know, dismiss Gabe. It'll be good for Gabe as well. Yeah, and the biggest thing is what I think you mentioned, getting a chance to move Jalen Withers over to the four, where in the limited amount of time that we saw him play that position, he looked like he could be really, really dynamic – um, Jalen wound up being uh, on the all-freshman team, got a couple of votes for ACC Freshman of the Year. I think if you get a full season of him at the four, he's going to start that transition of becoming a, the, the fantastic college player that we saw glimpses of it at times this season. I think that could wind up being 
the best thing that happened for him. And, and I think even if Malik hadn't come back, you're probably going to see Jalen move to the four. We saw how good he was. I know Chris Mack saw that. I know Mack knew that he was playing out of position all season long. So my guess is we probably would have brought in a grad transfer center, a true center, so Jalen could slide over there. But still, it's it's a big thing. Dan, I, just kind of overall picture. I think we haven't talked enough about Mack, the the pulse of the fan base. You've got people pulling in, in both directions. Where are you right now overall with Chris Mack? Because to me, it's hard to be – it's hard to have an extreme position on Chris Mack given everything that's happened since he took over the job and really everything that happened immediately before he took over the job. But where are you kind of right now with him in your overall satisfaction level? So we've talked about this. For whatever reason, this guy has just – he has just a list of excuses, and they are pretty valid excuses that he's had since his time that he's been here. With that being said – I mean, missing the tournament, we talked about it. You just can't do it. You got to make the tournament. Should have made it. Missed it. Now, here's the deal. I griped about it. I griped via text. I've griped on here about it. I wasn't happy. I, I said this year is, you know, a big year for him. But at this point, you know, all I can do is really get behind this guy. So, I mean, I feel like I need to change my mindset. You know, I don't want to bring negative energy to the, the team or, or anyone. So from here on out, you know, you can hold me to this standard. Damn it, Mike. <laughs> I got to get behind this guy. You know, they, I, I'm serious. I, I just think the negative energy that surrounds the program, it, it affects things differently. I mean, kids hear it. The, the coaches hear it. Um, so, I mean, I, st- I really do. I, I still believe in this guy. I, I, I still think he can run a very successful program. Um, so am I interested to see what happens in the next three to four weeks or however long till we get, like, the roster that we know we're going to have? Yes, I'm very interested. I'm interested in the coaches he's going to bring in. However, from here on out, I'm just 100% support. Um, that's that's really the job that I have as a fan, so I'm going to do that. Now, if next year doesn't work out and they miss the tournament, I'm going to be changing my tune. But um, right now I'm, I'm back in support mode. Every conversation about Chris Mack is unfair. Like it's, I think when you go into a discussion about Mack, you have to go in with that that understanding, that, that preconceived notion that it's just it, it's impossible to be on one polar end of this conversation. And, and I know that some people are. I know that there's the the fire Chris Mack Twitter accounts, and there's other people out there who are you know I guarantee we win a national title before the end of this decade. I don't know how you can possibly be there from what we've seen and where we are right now as a program. But you know, Godspeed to you. Again, I'll never tell anybody how to fan, but it's just he inherited a weird situation. We all know about the weirdness. I think he overachieved in year one, but that gets overshadowed a little bit by the fact that that team kind of flamed out down the stretch and lost to Richard Pitino in the first round, the only win in the tournament that Richard Pitino ended up getting in Minnesota. Year two – always going to be a little bit of a mystery. And unfortunately for Mac, it ends with that team being, I think, an ever so slight disappointment. I mean, they were preseason top uh, top five, I think number six in some polls. They were a preseason top 10 team that was trending towards a four or a five seed uh, in March. They, they hadn't quite lived up to expectations. And again, we're never going to know how that tournament would have gone. You look at that season entirely differently if that team goes to an elite eight or, or crashes the final four. 
On the flip side, you look at it even more negatively if they lose in the first round or the second round. And then this season, again, COVID year, that's an excuse. The, the, the pauses that Louisville dealt with that some other people didn't, that's an excuse. But still, people aren't, aren't going to forget that you had David Johnson, Carly Jones, Sam Williamson, and you didn't make the NCAA tournament, and you were right there, and you should have made the NCAA tournament. Like, that's not going to get forgotten. And now you're just in this weird spot where nobody knows how to judge you. Nobody knows what's coming. But there's you talked about negative energy. There's no question there's negative energy surrounding every inch of this program right now. And if you want to believe that, like, just wait and see what happens the first early November game when we're playing a, you know, mid-major, low-major, and there's a little bit of a scoring drought, and whoever's playing point guard walks the ball up the floor. That, yeah. The, the, fan, the home fans are going to – the groan is going to be audible. You're going to be able to hear it if you're watching the game on TV. You're going to be, it's going to reverberate throughout the arena. Like, and, and that's the position that Mac is in right now. Because they didn't make the NCAA tournament. I, you're exactly right. I was thinking, there's only one thing that, that would have avoided that, and that's making the tournament. You're exactly right. The thing that, that is scaring me a little bit, and if he was listening to this, like he, I'm sure he'd disagree. Some fans may disagree as well. It seems to me that Mac is panicking a little bit. Yeah. I, I think he's. I, I think this has gotten to him. I don't think this is at all the way he thought it was going to play out. He comes here, he's obviously a very confident guy. He has more success than anybody was anticipating right off the bat. Last year, you know, again, he can just say, I felt like we were primed for a run. We had great scores. And then this year, he's got his guys in. It's his system. It's all that good stuff. And it doesn't go quite as well, but still there are built-in excuses. And yet the fan base doesn't want to hear it. And now, and, and I'm not just talking about the coaching moves. If you watched that press conference or read the transcript or whatever from Monday, Monday. I didn't like that he kind of started to pull the whole – you know, well, when I was at Xavier, we only missed the NCAA tournament one time. Just casually throwing that out, like sort of trying to remind people that I know what I'm doing here. I got this job for a reason, all that stuff. It felt like a little bit defensive. And then also bringing up, you know, we want to play faster. We want like just straight up acknowledging the murmurs that have been out there for the last several months, uh, invoking the name of Rick Pitino, like saying all that stuff. To me, it scared me a little bit because – the most successful coaches, even in times of turbulence, they stick to their guns. Like, like they trust what got them there. And the ones who don't, they do what Archie Miller did in Indiana, where everybody was like, you've got to recruit Indiana kids. You've got to recruit Indiana kids. And he gets all these Indiana kids, and they fucking suck. Like, that, that's, that scares me a little bit, the fact that Mac is willing to, you know, hear the groans, hear the complaints, and start to sort of bend a little bit for them. And, and again, maybe I'm – reading too much into his comments for a Monday, but that makes me a little bit nervous. I really think, like, <laughs> Mac was 100% sure that they were getting in the tournament. Like, yeah. the comments, like, after the Duke game, um, I, I just was like, man, he's 100% confident that they're getting in. I don't think he had any doubt. So I think a little bit, he was probably shell-shocked, um, which uh, is a little bit understandable, but I mean, yeah, I would be lying if I didn't say from the outside looking in, it does look like he maybe is panicking. But, again, I'm not there. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, but, yeah, like I said, here on out, negative energy for me, it's gone. Hopefully everyone else can jump on board. It's going to be positive vibes only going forward. It's like until one of the guys transfers out, and I'm going to be really pissed. But, no, I'm just kidding. Um, 
Yeah, no, I'm 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 back on the Chris Mack train, um, and I'm going to support this guy going forward. We're all supporting him. Like, like, there's nobody listening to this, even the most angry fan who doesn't want to see Chris Mack succeed. Right. We're all the same boat. We're all rooting for Louisville to be good. I think you can do that while also pointing out things that frustrate you and things that that quite frankly make you a little bit nervous for the future. I think that that's fine to do as fans. Um, there's always that line. I know everybody disagrees, but that's what we're doing here. Uh, we're talking about what we're here, and this is the only way I think you can sum up the, the current situation. The next nine months, the ne- the next well, hell, the next twelve months are just of paramount importance, not just for Chris Mack, but for Louisville basketball and where it's going. Every movie makes every every transfer he brings in every recruit he's trying to go after from the 2022 class everybody he signs however he winds up dealing with the coaching staff hiring and then obviously how the season plays out is just vital yeah positive vibes going into again what we all assume is going to be a dark period of some sort we don't know how long it is we don't know if it's going to be one season, two seasons, or if it's just going to be no postseason bans, but our recruiting gets hit. Like, but we know it's going to be something. We know that there's something else coming, and you feel a lot differently going into that period if you just, you know, went to an elite eight with a team that nobody saw coming. You're going to be okay with that. You're going to be able to push through. If you have another year where you're just waddling in mediocrity, mediocrity, you miss the tournament. There's no real hope for the future. Players seem to struggle. Coaches seem to struggle. Everybody seems to struggle. That's the worst possible way to go into that uh, that controversy. And again, if Louisville does get a postseason ban, it adds another year to Chris Mack's contract. It would make him, I mean, next to damn near impossible to move on from at that point. These 12 months, man, they could not be more important. You're, I mean, you're right. And I'll tell you, this this may sound pretty dumb, but. What would help his case is if our guy Scott Satterfield won a couple games in the football season it would. to it kind would. of take take the eyes off the basketball program just a little bit for the time being to get the fan base in the right state of mind because if we start out one and four in football, I mean I you know not that the fan base gives up on football, but we start wandering our eyes to basketball pretty damn quick. So um, yeah, no doubt. I mean. Big big year next year, um, and this roster, every decision he makes, it's going to be huge. The Scott South Carolina stuff just could not have come at a worse time, man. I mean, it really couldn't have. Like, it just was so. I mean, I don't even know. That that's like kind of that was the first domino that kind of fell. That all the negative energy towards almost like. You know, not the whole athletic department, but a lot of it started was when he started flirting. It's like if you're the coach of a college team or even a high school team and players get in trouble left and right, the team's lost a couple of games in a row, and then your, like, nerdy virgin 4.0 student team captain, like, gets caught shoplifting or something, and you're just like, God damn it, Terry. Like, like the, the one thing that we were supposed to be able to rely on, the, of all the times, Terry... You had to fucking, like, right now, <laughs> shoplifted a, a chapstick from Coles. What are you doing? Like, that's that was Scott Satterfield with the whole South Carolina deal. And now just everybody's pissed off. It, it's 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 an absolute mess. Again, we need a spark. We need a spark. Yeah, and I don't know what the timeline's going to be for some of these returning players' decisions. 
you know, Carly, man, that would be nice. But, you know, obviously it's his decision. I, I know, like, the mock drafts, um, I, I'm going to butcher the guy's name again. Help me out. Sam, is it Bassini? You got it. All right, Sam Bassini. He now is David Johnson, and I think not going in the first round. Um, so I don't know how much that will affect his decision. But, you know, those obviously are two pretty big decisions for us. And then, obviously, we'll see if anything happens with, you know, grad transfers coming in or any players transferring out. Yeah, and to answer the questions before we get them in, in the podcast notes, I, I don't know what Carlick's doing. I know he – there, there was the talk a couple months ago that Carlick and Malik were both going to do whatever they were going to do together. Clearly, that's not entirely the case because Malik made his announcement, and all we've heard from Carlick on Instagram is – um, not sure, still deciding. I'd expect him to at least do the thing where he goes through the process. And if I'm Carly, as much as I'd like him back, I mean, you're 23 years old. You've got a limited window to get paid to do this thing. Uh, I'm not going to fault him if he wants to go ahead and go. With David Johnson, I mean, it was certainly a foregone conclusion a couple of months ago that this was going to be his last season. I'm not sure how much him sliding in all of these mock drafts and him not being a, a surefire First round lock. I'm not sure how that's going to affect him. I assume he's, you know, you, you would definitely assume he's going to go through the process. And if he has a Donovan Mitchell type combine, um, maybe that rockets him back up those draft boards. I'm still working under the assumption that he's not going to be back next season, but you never know. He was, he was certainly not good down the stretch. Maybe that changed things up a little bit. And then of course there's, I feel like there's rumors about every single other player on the roster. Who, who knows? Like I, yeah. I, I, I hop on Twitter. I check my phone, look for texts wait for the next shoe to drop, and I feel like it's 50 different things every goddamn day, but that's where we are right now. Uh, we've rambled on enough about Louisville stuff. We didn't even really get to the tournament. Do you have any quick, very quick thoughts on, on the first five days of the uh, the men's NCAA tournament there? Yeah, we should probably get rid of time zones since uh, <laughs> pretty much every single person that's watching the tournament can't name like five players on any of these Pac-12 teams that are left. Um, I know you can, obviously, but, uh, I mean, and they look damn good. Like, I watched USC the other night, and I was like, Jesus. Like, I mean, I would take the Mobley kid over Cade Cunningham. That's how good he looked. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think this kid's going to turn into a monster. Um, but with that being said, I still think – I mean, I have Baylor winning it all. I've been on them since the beginning. However, I mean, Gonzaga – Jesus, they look good. Um, I really hope it does end up them, too. That would just be a fantastic uh, championship final. Drew versus Few in the battle to uh, to finally Scott get Drew. Have we been more wrong about a guy? Oh, my I, God. I take back. I said a lot of things the week leading up to the battle for Atlantis in 2017 that if they got out, I'd look pretty bad. I said a lot of things. And I feel like that's when it turned for him. I feel like that me talking shit that whole week, and then them coming back from like 22 down against us to win that turn. That's when everything changed for Scott Drew. That's when, that's the moment he became a good player. Let, let me make a point here. We got this tweet a while back from, I believe it was Pastor Emily, uh, on Twitter. And she made, this is a pretty good comparison. Like Scott Drew did not, I mean, he had a huge rebuilding job at Baylor to do. And those like first couple of years, like obviously, you know, nothing really substantial happened, but they let this guy 
kind of go through the process and look what he's turned the Baylor program into. So if you're looking for like maybe a potential Chris Mack comparison, which she made to us, that's a pretty good one. Maybe, you know, if you're looking brightest star, like what he could turn into, Scott Drew is a perfect picture. Yeah, I mean, I think that, look, the situation at Baylor is not even comparable to what we're dealing with here. It was worse. Right. You've got, you're in Waco, Texas. You've got no real history. They'd been to a couple of Final Fours in the 1940s. They hadn't won any conference championships ever. They hadn't been, when he took over, they had not been to the NCAA. They've been to the NCAA tournament once since 1950 uh, when Scott Drew took over there. Oh, and on top of that, they had a fucking player kill another player in the decade before. <laughs> Craziest story, like, maybe of all time, by the way. Unbelievable. Like, yeah, <laughs> like that's way worse than what we're dealing with here. And also the coach, like, helped one of the other player, like, kind of cover it up. Like, this, yeah. it's absolute madness. And, yeah, if Scott Drew can get them to back to being a, a national player, not back, can get them to being a national player on an annual basis, there should not be an excuse for Louisville long-term to get back to where we're used to being. But, yeah, he's done a unreal job there. And he's doing it kind of differently than he was doing it at the end of the last decade where they were getting a bunch of – they were mysteriously getting a bunch of, of yeah. talent, and those teams were flaming out in the tournament. He's going more with the traditional kind of Jay Wright way where they've got a couple of young guys that are you know four-star, five-star prospects, but mostly it's career college players that are juniors and seniors – and just getting it done. But how, yeah, how much does what? Davion Mitchell remind you of Donovan Mitchell? It's like not only are they number forty-five, like they have like the same body build and same mannerisms. Like Donovan has more bounce, but when I watch this kid, I'm like, oh my god, that's like scary. I can see it. I can see yeah. it. Um, got true. Good coach. Official. That's the official stance of the Card Chronicle podcast. Do you have Dan uh, a Dan in the dump story? It's kind of been a negative episode. Do you have anything that's going to make people laugh? Yeah, I, well, this won't make people laugh, but I'll talk about it anyways. Just okay. to humor humor whoever is listening. Um, I, so, like, this was, like, last Friday. I was like, all right, like, I'm going to go get some carryout food. Um, I went to this, like, it's like a Greek pita place where you kind of just make your own whatever when you're there. Um, so, like, the guys, like, asked me what I want on it. You know, I'd load up, like, the chicken and the lettuce and tomato and all that. And, like, I like spicy stuff. So he's like, uh, and I was like, oh, can I get some hot sauce? He, like, put some on. I was like, oh, I'll take extra hot sauce. So, like, as I do that, I looked out at my phone for, like, a minute. And, like, I hear, like, the people in line behind me, like, audibly gasp. And I, like, look up. <laughs> this guy looks like he has killed a shark, like a great white shark on top of my meal. Like, I can't even see my meal. It's, like, so covered in hot sauce. I was, like, stunned. I couldn't even, like, spit out, like, what I wanted next. He's like, anything else? I was like, ah. like, um, I, like, brought it home. My wife was like, oh, my God. Um, so, needless to say, one of the hotter meals I've had in a while, but. Uh, yeah, just another day in the life, I guess. Yeah, oh, I like that. That did make me feel better. Uh, reminder again, please, uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. If you can give us a rating, if you can leave us a review, that also helps us out. Uh, we'd like to read the reviews on the air. I say on the air, on, on the podcast to, uh, to try and kind of push you to make that happen. One new review here since the last time, uh, titled Love This Podcast. Appreciate that. Amazing to hear my dad's buddy, Mike Rutherford, have an amazing podcast that I can listen to over and over again on the airplane. You won't regret listening to this. 
unless you're a UK fan. I don't. How old is this kid? Who's my? Uh, yeah, I'm really <laughs> curious to see like, who I have a friend who has a kid old enough to, to not just listen to podcasts, but leave the review. It's also kind of terrifying because they probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast if we're friends. But shout out to uh, to, to whoever you are. Love you. Shout out to the potential nine year old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to uh, to your dad who is my friend. My my apologies. Uh, we're gonna have more pods. We're gonna try to do one more this week. Uh, Keith Wynn, we've been trying to work it out that he wants to come on. Uh, I shouldn't say he wants to come on. I want to have him on to talk about the uh, the coaching changes, the wrapping up spring practice, a couple of football notes there. We also have nice. to talk for women's basketball. I know we haven't done as much of that as we probably should, but it has been a hectic, hectic uh, week around these parts. So this week should be a, a lot easier. So we will get back on, onto the uh, the daily pod, the, the weekly, multi-weekly podcast train. I'm I'm clearly lacking in sleep. I apologize. We need to end this thing. Uh, Dan, parting thoughts, or do you just want to get out of here? Uh, Let's bounce. All right. uh, Until we talk to you guys again, go Cards. Go Cards.